Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. Carrie Welling with Settle Me Down. Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys Hello. doing today? Hi, Nicole and Greg. I think she's cool. Um, I really like uh, the narrative that she's got going on. I mean, basically, I think she uh, pivoted and she basically said, you know what? I'm going to quit chasing the music industry. I'm going to quit chasing the idea that I'm going to write something that sounds like uh, something that a major label wants. I'm going to stop, for lack of a better term, trying to be commercial, and I'm just going to be true to myself, and I'm going to write a new batch of songs, and I'm going to... I'm going to record those. And I think that's a really cool. Why, what, do, you, do you know Carrie? I think I don't know her at all. Oh. No, not at all. Uh, but uh, I, I read a little bit about 
her approach to this, uh, these last sessions that she did. And I think it's a great pivot. I think, um, you know, we always talk about authenticity on the podcast and, um, that's absolutely, you know, uh, a stroke of authenticity to say, yeah, I'm going to stop listening to everybody else. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to use my head and listen to my heart a little bit. Well, you know what kind of lyrics I love? I love lyrics that don't try to be lyrics, if you know what I mean. They're just statements of how you feel put together in a way, in a cool way that they're sung. Like, you know, like the first line of that song, you know, you know what I mean? Like where they're not trying to just be really cleverly lyrical, you know, and like, um, and I, and I, and again, Getting back to that word authenticity, that that's what I that's what I see, and I think that that, that always outs to me. Yeah, you know that that always wins out to me. Yeah. You know. Well, and I think with her pivot too, um, just because I've listened, I went back and listened to a couple of her like previous tracks that she had out. Um, I think her pivot and her being able to when just kind of the back when she used to be in the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, when she used to be in the Backstreet Boys. Um, back in the day. But back in the day. Oh, oh, oh wait, wait, wait. <laughs> All right, now we've reached a new we've reached a new low now. You have missed even, the cue. You oh, missed the cue completely. You even played the cue for something else completely. Don't say it. Don't say. I'm it. not. Okay. I'm not going to say it because right. we don't need him to play it again. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say though is, I think her letting go of like the 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 pressure of what other people were telling her really helped her craft her own unique sound. Like I will, I will say from like listening to what she had before to what she has now, like one, I like it a lot better. And two, you you, like, I you can just almost feel that like she, there's no pressure around it. So like, it just flows better. It sounds better. Like there's just nothing that's holding her back now. Right. Right. And you know, I mean, far be it from me to complain about, commercial quotes, commercial music, because, you know, I mean, I, I listened to hundreds, if not thousands of songs when I was at uh, the performing rights organization all those years and worked with hundreds of writers. And, you know, I would always, that would be one of my comments. It's like, you know, I love this. It's just not uh, commercially viable. You know, I mean, I, I don't think this song is going to be a hit. And so, you know, I mean, I, I get, that it is an art in order to be able to craft a clever, well-constructed, you know, kind of storyline and do it in such a way that the melody and the lyric uh, all comes together. And, you know, there are commercial songwriters out there. Carl and I were talking before the podcast. You know, the idea is that there are probably a hundred people in the country that have that skill set that they can write a song that is commercially viable and will become a hit if you put it in the right places in order for it to be discovered. But I think, I think there are, see, I, I, I agree and disagree. I think, I don't think anyone really can write a hit song. I don't care how good of a writer you are. I, Cause there's so many variables, you know, cause then you can write a great song, but it has to be cut by the right guy. It has to be produced in the right vein. It has to have the right tempo, have the right way, everything. So many factors that go, that are involved in making a, a hit record. Let's yeah, say. that's what, that's the way it happens. Absolutely. It happens. So it's making a hit record. So, and then when you get to hit records, like I, I used to, this perfect song of a hit record that makes, that song by uh, Coldplay, Yellow. 
Mm-hmm. What the hell is that about? And that's like not a great song. It's like it's a yellow. It's like it's cool. It's cool. It's a great vibe. It's a hit record. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, but it's not a hit song. It's just like you know, it's a cool, you know, put togetherness of you know what I mean, like you know, elements and the way the guitar comes in and, and the way the the beat and all the the way he sings it. You know, a song of sounds and English I, accent. You know, so you know, how does that faith? You know you know, factor into songwriting. Well, I don't think that, I I don't think that those guys fancied themselves commercial songwriters, nor do I think that, um, uh, they were trying to make a quotes hit record. I think it's just a perfect. Another thing. And I, and I tell everyone to go do this. Everyone should go and listen to the bad finger greatest hits CD. They're the ones that, that back in the seventies are wrote no no matter matter what baby blue, but those two guys, Peter Ham and whatever his name is, I think Tom Evans, they both committed suicide within three years of each other. Bizarre. But they wrote the song Without You, which was this monster by Nielsen, and then even a bigger hit by, I think, what, Mariah Carey did it again? I don't remember. Or was it uh, or, or, or Celine Dion? One of those two redid Without You, and it, I think it was Mariah Carey. And it was a smash. I can't live. If live you know, yeah, right. That's, anyway, it's amazing. Right. But if you listen to their demo... It sounds like crap. Yeah. I, you, you wouldn't even, I don't know how they got that song. Another one is Nothing Compares to You. Have you ever heard Prince's version of that song? Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it, it, no, it stinks. Oh, I, I, don't, think it stinks. I, I disagree. It, does, I, it doesn't show what Sinead O'Connor did with it and made it this massive hit. So I think a lot of what makes a hit song a hit song is how it's put together. You know, and it's not necessarily in the writing so much. All right. No, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think it's a, a, there are hit records and there are hit. I mean, you know, look, look at um, um, something like uh, Louis. I'm too Louis, sexy for my shirt. Look at Louis Louis, you know. I mean, nobody even understood the lyrics. For, yeah, that Well, actually, the guys that we uh, featured on one of the earlier podcasts, the guys that have songs from the padded envelope, they actually talked with the writer of that um, unbelievable. unbelievable in there at the end of the podcast, rather illegally, I suppose. But at the end of the podcast, the uh, they performed the demo version of that. And it, the demo was actually, you know, you could hear them forming the sounds that later were made in the studio. And it, it actually kind of holds up. It was it was cool. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, lyrically, it ain't going to change anybody's life. We used to talk about. You know, you know what radio is looking for, you know what, you know, the music industry is looking for as far as songs are concerned. When you hear it on the radio, you have to pull over in order to process it. I mean, that's the kind of songs people would. How many songs do that? Uh, You know, I mean, that's that's the aspiration. When's the last time a song did that? When's the last time a song did that for you? A couple of years ago. And we'll I think we'll talk about it later in the podcast. I can't think of. Any pullover songs, you know, in the last, uh, I don't know. At least in the last five years for me, I haven't had any songs that like made me want to pull over and think about it. So I've had songs that made me want to turn, turn off the radio. <laughs> My word. Yeah. I have, though. I have, uh, there, uh, is a, in the, in, in the, uh, public radio space, they have an interesting concept of uh what do they call it they call it driveway listening have you ever heard that term no it's really interesting you so made, you just made it up no i did is it not. basically when you sit in the driveway with your radio and, on? and you cannot 
pull yourself away from the programming. Yeah, I I, I believe I got, believe in you, that. When you got home I, and you can't get out of the car, exactly. I, I believe in that. I actually had that experience, and uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Back in the day, when um, uh oh, wait, wait, when when. Uh, <laughs> Have we added the dog? Oh. Have we added the dog? The dog, the dog just comes in with everything now. Okay. All right. He's just he's pushing buttons he's just, now. He's just yeah. pushing buttons. <laughs> he's just going. He's just having a good old time with those sounds. So back in the day, um, when Garrison Keeler was Garrison Keeler, right. I remember that I was sitting. I was literally. Right, who is he now? Literally, we're not sure. Is he literally, Keeler, is he Keeler Garrison now? I don't know. Um, I think he got canceled a while back, but uh, that's another podcast. Um, I, I remember one of the most uh, seminal parts of my radio experience was literally having one of those driveway moments where he was doing his show and he was talking about the day that buddy holly died and he was talking about driving through uh i don't remember what the location was but he was talking about driving down this lonely road uh and somebody pointed out that they were driving past the field where the plane went down and he was just telling this story it was just spellbinding and there was a part at which he said he got out of the car and he walked through the cornfield and it had been raining and he said and you know you know what a wet cornfield smells like and i it completely blew my mind because i know what that smells like maybe a lot of people don't but the idea that he told that story and pulled your pulled your senses out of you through the airwaves was kind of cool for me so i'll never forget that a wet cornfield? Yeah. The smell of a wet cornfield. How about just play Being Bell McLean's American Pie? <laughs> yeah, well that that too. But and that's a, okay. that's another great record. That's a hit record. Yeah, again, right. That was like a seven minute like um Yeah. Yeah. You know, yes, I don't know. So what hit songs I think are just it's arbitrary. It depends. It, there's so many there's so many factors. So, you know, so to say you wrote, wrote a hit, what's a hit? A hit's a hit when once it's been a hit, and other than that, it's not a hit. I don't care what how good it is. Yeah, because well, I've written I've written songs that are hits, but they they didn't become hits. But you know, right? So, I, get, I get so it. They're not. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I, I I I don't really have a hit mentality when is when it comes to my listening. You know, I mean, I'm like. I just there are things that I like that I love that I listen to on a regular basis. Let's that, play another song. Sure. You know, I, and again, this is from uh, Carrie Welling. Carrie Welling, yeah. This one, um, this one's a little bit cool. I like it's different. It's uh, more acoustic. This is called. Uh, this is called "Good to Me." I think this song is kind of the the turning point song for when she pivoted and was decided that she was like kind of not going to write for the market. She was just going to write for herself. So cool. Check it out. Good to me. tables for men who change lives and I know all their names but they 
they just forget mine And I sang for them before and they'll open up their doors I'm more like this, like a tailor's with a throwback twist It'd be perfect, but you need a hit And God, I hated it And I searched for what they were looking for until I was just looking for myself song you know i i get i get i love a song with the first line kind of pulls me in yep you know and and by saying like when she said i waited on tables you know uh, on men who changed my life you know men who changed lives i i get that you know because yep. i've worked in, in 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 the server industry i mean i've worked as a bartender you know in restaurants where there were waitresses exactly that you know like you know you know sitting over there that's that's such and such a director in the city, and they're you know you think I should slip him a, a headshot? I go, you know, I don't think you should, but you know. Yep. So Emily West, I get has, that. Emily West has a song that's like that. It's a much darker. I can't. I wish I could remember the name of the song. We'll put it in the show notes. But she, I love Emily West. Oh man, man. I think she, she's she, just she, extraordinary. Yeah. We need to get her on the podcast. I would. Well, we would contact her and she let's play some of her music. Yeah, yeah. man, Great. it would be extraordinary. I think she's amazing. Absolutely amazing. 
Alex Alex Trebek died today. I know. 2020 I, is just not a good I year. Love, I love Jeopardy. And he was doing so good too. He just, you know, it seems like he was, you know, yeah, it's sad when people, I, you know, I don't know why it matters, but it's sad when people like that go, you know, it's. Well, I mean, he's been an icon for the last, what, 50? 30, 84 he's been doing that since. Yeah. So, I mean, so the last 30 years, 30, 30, however many years. So, I mean, being on TV every night and kind of giving everyone that little bit of joy of trying to answer those questions and see those people, I mean, it's going to have an effect on everyone. You remember um, many years ago, there was like kind of this infamous or famous um, skit that was done on Saturday Night Live where Dan Aykroyd and uh, John Belushi were doing this thing. It was like this grill and they were yelling out, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Do you remember that? Pepsi, Pepsi, Pepsi. No Coke Pepsi. Yeah, no Coke Pepsi. Yeah, right. So that place was a real place. It was actually, those guys started out in um, Second City in Chicago. Chicago, yeah, Yeah. that that is true. You go to Chicago, I have a Coke, no Coke Pepsi. Yeah, so there was a place that they claimed or or I found out was actually the inspiration behind that skit. It's called the Billy Goat Tavern. And so I remember going to the, I, I sought it out and I, and I went to the Billy goat. Uh, it's under, order a Coke. <laughs> it's, it's underneath the L, you know, it was, it's a really weird little joint. And, right, right. and, and I always remember that it was like 11 o'clock in the morning and uh, I had gotten there early cause I had meetings in the afternoon, but I wanted to see the place. And I remember walking in there and there were guys in there sitting at this like Formica counter and it looked similar to what it looked like on the television show when they did the skit. And it was kind of funny, but I rem- I'll always remember that they were sitting there and they had little half pints of liquor. I don't know if that's how they had to sell it or or whether or not they were just off the streets drinking out of their half pints. But they were all there were like six or eight of them all at that countertop and they were watching jeopardy and they were like yelling the answers out. Um, and so I thought, wow, that didn't make it into the skit, but I thought that was pretty odd, pretty weird. You know, right, it was you know they were watching jeopardy while having, while having their mid morning drink. <laughs> they're watching, they're watching, they're watching C-SPAN. <laughs> no, no, they were, they were watching jeopardy. And I, I, I never was much of a Jeopardy fan, but uh, yeah, I stink at it. You know, yeah, I, I'm not I, good I, at it. No, yeah, you know, I remember there was I, there was some funny skits about. It. I think I saw the what was it the one? Um, again, it's been on. It's been parodied on so many shows. I think there was one on Seinfeld where Kramer went on Jeopardy, and like he just answered every question. And by the time he got to the end, he was like a negative sixty two thousand. Like he just just answered. That'll be uh, first thing. That, that, uh, <laughs> every answer he answered was wrong, but. One of the most famous music cues in television history, I think, is Out of Jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, you know what? Since we're talking about music and songs, let's uh, get to our question. What what, what is it again? Uh Oh, I missed it. You're messing it up today. Why do I even come on here now? What what do we do now? We have. have, Oh, go ahead, Greg. No, go ahead. I was going to say we have our question of the week. You got it right. No, he put the back in the day on there. And the Earl no, Gregory. Yeah, and the Earl Gregory. <laughs> yeah, that's the Earl. That's Earl Coates. 
By the time what, we get what, to 40 episodes on this podcast, it's just going to be all inside crap. <laughs> Nobody's going to know what What's we're talking question? about. What is the question? The question is, what is your current favorite song? Include where you heard it first and when it was released. That sounds like an essay question. It would all that would part B and part B. Uh, wh- wh- what position were you sitting in? And if you were in a car, or or you were in a bedroom, or if if you were in a bedroom and you had your shoes on, or did you have socks on? Did we put? <laughs> anyway. Did we put show your work at the end of that question? No, but <laughs> yeah. we should have. So who do you want to hear first? You want to hear Sarah first? Yeah, Sa- Sarah-, Sarah Harrelson. Okay, let's hear what Sarah had to say. My current favorite song is Stick That In Your Country Song by Eric Church. It was released this year, and I think it's just such a great message for the current times. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that song after I heard what she you know, so I, I went and listened to it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I know the you song. Know, um, you know the song? I know the song, but I, I, my, my feeling on the song is that it is such an incredible idea but I don't think it was accomplished. Um, it could have been a smash, I think, but I think it, it gets kind of lazy towards the end, right? But the idea so you're is- you thinking it was a great great idea that wasn't implemented or wasn't like, you know, fleshed out as good as it could have been, you yeah, thought? And I, and I know, I, um, I, I don't recall do we, who wrote it. Do we call it, Sarah? No, 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 no. Sarah and no, tell her to stop liking I, I, it. No, now? no, no, not at all. I mean, Sarah, I, you can't like that story anymore because Greg doesn't think it, it's no, as good as it should no, be. No, not at all. You know, call Eric Church, let him re-record it, fix it up. Eric Church, we'll man, he's uh, Eric Church is 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 fantastic. Um, he's kind of cool. Uh, I, I love you know, you just you know, I don't know much about him, but I love that Springsteen song. Mm-hmm. But that must be amazing for like Springsteen that you are depicted as a genre. You are like. A time, you know, like to be, what I don't know to be that that much of a legend already in your life, you know, like right where where you where they call you as a reference of time and space and music and you know what I mean? Yep. it's got to be bizarre. Our, my my guy, the guy that I'm infatuated with currently, uh, Travis Meadows, he has a song about Springsteen too. So it's got to be a bizarre life, you know. I don't know. I think that um, I, I think that places actually kind of get a reputation for whether or not uh, they're livable or not if they have a lot of people that are otherwise celebrities, you know, living there. I mean, most celebrities, you know, they can't they can't go into the drugstore on suns on the Sunset Strip, right? Because Hollywood's just that kind of place. But yet, uh, I think that that's the reason. Um, that's the reason Nashville. That's the reason they like Nashville because yeah, because they, they don't people, germ people them. don't that really the germ them. Yeah, that's the word we used to use. Yeah, I, I had a friend like you know he used to work for um, Sam Ash, you know, a music place, yeah, and, yeah. He, and he was and he was really good about you know implementing Macintosh really early days in, in you know you know implementing the Mac to like uh, computer software and stuff. This is back in like the late '80s when it was a. Big, I remember that store. I, what, what was what street was that store on? Um, 40th Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, my friend, like, you know, gets a call. He used to work at, he goes, and his boss says, hey, hey, uh, my friend's name was Bob. He goes, Bob, I'm sending you a client in the city who needs you to, like, to integrate his his computer with his keyboard. Just don't be alarmed. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but just, just 
be cool, right? So he goes to this place. He goes to his address. He's in there, right? And he uh, he starts like you know, he, he, this person lets him into. The, he's on somewhere in the, on the Upper West Side. They let him into the apartment. The elevator opens up to the apartment, and this person who meets him in the elevator walks him into this room that's a studio, right? And he sees the Mac. So Bob just knows what he has to do. So he just starts doing it, right? All of a sudden, he starts playing. He starts playing music loud because he wants to see if it's working. And all of a sudden, this guy walks in. It's Sting. <laughs> he goes. He goes. I'm so, I was here from San Max. I'm here to set up. He goes. Oh, that's today. Oh man, they don't tell me anything. All right, phone, carry on. And he, and he walks out here anyway. He he does his job. He, he leaves and it's done. Right. He goes. He goes back to work. He goes. How'd it go? He goes. Why don't you tell me you were staying, man? He goes. The guy must have. He hated me. He screamed at me. Four days later, Sting calls up Sam Ash. He goes, hey, do me a favor. I need someone to do fix something. And do me a favor. Send that nice guy Bob back. He liked him. <laughs> anyway, anyway, this is another story. So Bob goes back now and he goes, and Sting goes, you know, sorry I was rude to you. I, you know, I didn't know. He goes, anyway, so as they walk, so he, this is one thing. So as they're walking out, Sting's son is in the living room trying to hook something up to the um, some computer game to like the, the TV and he couldn't do it. He goes, Hey, Bob, do you know anything about this? He goes, it's just like a little adapter. You got to get, he, he, he's going to radio shack and you can pick it up. It's no big deal. He goes, would you go do that for me? He goes, well, why? He goes, Bob, I can't, I can't go to radio shack. <laughs> and he just, that's what he said. I can't go to radio shack. Wow. Cause he was sting. Yeah. He just couldn't go. He just knew he couldn't go. From that day on, gets a Christmas card every year from sting and Trudy and the kids. Nice. You know, so, but it's funny, but you know, like, you know, like again, that that trap. Maybe now we could go to Radio Shack, but back then in the '80s, when he was the height of the police fame and Sting fame, you can't do that shit. I don't know. It's got to be weird. Yeah, well, I, I, it's on. I was gonna say too. Um, nowadays, I mean, even in Nashville, though, I mean, most of the quote unquote famous people, I guess, do have the freedom to go out a little bit. So I don't know how. Yeah, I've seen Brad Paisley around. I've seen. Uh, well, and like the whole uh, Taylor Swift will post like when she's out of Target that she was there and where she was and right. like social media, I guess it's kind of made it a little bit easier for people to get around because if you post where you are or post after, people will go there, but people also tend to leave you alone now. Yeah, they really do. I mean, I, I, I remember a year or two ago, I was uh, at Bongo Java, which is place carl and i uh frequented when he was in town and um, we should get bongo java to just sponsor the podcast considering it's the place you guys created i i think yeah i think i'll have to give them a call uh but i was there and um i kind of grabbed my bagel and went around the counter and sat down and i there were two people sitting like a few tables down there wasn't hardly anybody in there it was very early and it was odd. I, I like kind of didn't recognize them, but then I recognized them and I thought, wow, pretty famous people. So it was uh, Keith Urban and uh, who's he married to? Um, Nicole Kidman. Nicole wow. Kidman. And so like I was just sitting there eating my bagel. And then after I recognized them, a power couple right there. after I recognized them, I, I'm sorry, I could not quit staring you know i was like acting like i was on my phone but i I was just staring uh at her in particular because you know uh, he went up to her and goes nicole what's tom cruise like (laughs) oh my god no i mean it was but it was cool though because i mean i I got up and they gotta be used to come on i got up and, and and went to the restroom and you know i she looked at me and i said hey and she and she said, "Hey, our eyes met." Yeah, I, I think she's probably getting ready to dump Keith after that. Right. But, 
but no, it was it was kind of cool though guy? because it, uh, it was like it was understood. The reason they were in there is because people weren't going to bother them. So it, it kind of makes sense. Said, Maud, Maud, it's over. It's, it's over, Maud. <laughs> well, I met Nicole. Yeah. Well, I remember, um, gosh, it has to be four or five Fourth of Julys ago now because my husband was still in the military, maybe even six. Um, he was deployed. So me and my very good girlfriend whose husband or boyfriend at the time, but now husband, was also deployed with my husband. Um, decided to make the most of our first uh, like summer in Nashville. And 4th of July was kind of like one of the first holidays. Right. So we got tickets to go down to like the Nashville big to-do or whatnot. And we were sitting in Tin Roof, just minding our own business. Because it was also like, that was the 4th of July where it was like torrential downpours. They were basically calling for the entire thing to just be raining the entire time. And I nudge her and I'm like, I think that's Willie Nelson. And she's like, no. She's like, Willie Nelson died. I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. But and like during those events, you can't use your phone. Like the cell service is terrible. So I'm like convinced the entire time. I'm like, no, I really think it is. The next morning we wake up not feeling our best, but I was able to Google it. And I was like, no, that was Willie Nelson, but no one was bothering him. He was just no. minding his own business, getting a drink on the 4th of July. Nashville is that way. Let's hear another song. Let's hear another. Uh, yeah. This is Andrew, Andrew Atkins. That's what he has to say. I would have to say my favorite current song would probably be Mariner's Apartment Complex from Lana Del Rey, just because it is just gorgeous the everything about it the production jack antonoff did it put it together her voice the lyrics is just a perfect song i think it came out 2019 late last year or early this year i believe it was late last year but yeah i'm norman rockwell i've been obsessed with that record ever since it came out and it still is at least played once a week I dug that song. I did like, she's got this, like this Tori Amos, if you know who I mean, mm-hmm. vibe to her, a little like alternative. Um, yeah, she's kind of cool, some of her stuff. I, don't, you know? I um, don't know that much about her, but I know that she had, at the beginning of her career, she had an extraordinarily big push from a major label. You know, I mean, I, I, it was like, it was kind of as if they were not going to be denied. They were going to create a career for her as an artist. One thing I like about all these songs, though, they're all kind of, they're not commercial songs. You know, that's that's, that's the funny thing. I, I always found that to be true. Like, I don't know about you, but most artists I love, what I love about them most is never their, like, hit songs. Those are the ones that may bring you to the artist. But then once you get into an artist, it's usually the le- the, the more obscure album cuts that really show their their depth, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's just our listening audience or our demographic or whatever the case may be. But the reason we asked the question, I think, or at least the reason that I wanted to hear the answers was the idea that I was, and he included uh, the release date, which is what we asked that people do. Cause I was curious to see whether or not people were discovering and becoming obsessed with older songs, songs that were released in, 2000 songs that were released in 2007. Oh, so there, so you know, there was a reason to 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 the why. And well, when? I, I'm just. Kinda, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm kind of. you're just being a pain. No, no, no. I was. I'm just kind of interested in. Um, I'm always interested in how people discover songs, and then I find it 
very interesting that they can become obsessed with something that isn't the, the, the next new thing. Right. Um, and so, uh, that. Well, I'm it may not, not sure. be the next new thing, but it's yep. the next new thing for them. Right. Right. And, and, but I think that speaks to the power of the song as well, because, you know, if, if you become obsessed with a song that was released 20 years ago, you're probably listening harder than, um, you know, somebody that's just, um, you know, like just fed a constant diet of the latest um, playlist, you know, from Spotify or something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's th- let's check out our last our last match. This is a two for one, or this this is Crimson Calamity. They're like a duo. They're right? they're a duo. Yep. Uh, is it Lauren and Mallory? Lauren, yeah, I think Lauren and Mar- Mallory, but they'll they tell us our names, so they actually go one step further than Greg's <laughs> Greg's ask <laughs> request, right? Hi, 9420. This is Lauren and Mallory of Crimson Calamity, and we wanted to share our current favorite songs with you. This is Lauren speaking. My current favorite song is actually I Remember Everything by John Prine. It came out this past June, and it was John's last recording. And it's just, it makes the song makes me cry every single time, and it's it's just so good. This is Mallory. Um, I feel like my favorite song, it's really hard for me to answer that question, but I keep listening to Lost on You by LP, which I think came out a few years ago, but I really got into it uh, in 2018. And I just, I don't know, it's on like every playlist that I make. I always put it on there. I just can't get enough of that chorus. It's so good. Thanks so much for asking us to answer your question of the week. See, very thorough. Very thorough. And polite. The uh, the John Prine song, um, I think to me, what makes it more poignant is because he just died soon after. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not sure, in my opinion, if it's his best song. You know, I, is most. You know, I think it's pretty. But I think, what, yeah, what gives it its poignancy is the fact that he he died not not far after. So it makes it you know that mean more meaningful. Well, and I think too that. That kind of is always the case. It's like the last thing that people can cling to when someone that they've either been a fan of or they've wanted to be a fan of passes away. So that sometimes can be why people cling on to like the last thing that they either hear or the last thing that's released or um, why even when artists pass away and things get released after people go like bonkers for it. So I think the best song I was telling Greg before, the best song in that that kind of thing was Warren Zevon. Keep me in your heart. You know, he right before he died, he redid this album and he knew he was dying. So he wrote the song Keep Me in Your Heart. And people should Google that if you don't know it. And, and it'll be in the show notes after. It's really poignant. It's it's I think that that nails that sentiment to me the best I've ever heard. But but the other the next song, LP. Um, Greg, you you know about that. Yeah, I mean, I we were we were talking about it before the podcast, and um, was it Mallory that mentioned Lost on You? Lost on You, and I have actually been obsessed with that song too uh, for for several years. I mean, I think it was released in 2017, but I would have never discovered it had I not been following uh, a music supervisor friend on social networks, and they posted the song and said. I'm completely obsessed with this song. I don't know why. I don't know uh, when it happened, but well, again, is it a great song? Or just a really cool record. I, I I think it's well. I actually the version that I heard was not even the record. The version I heard was a live version that she had actually posted uh, as representative of the song, 
so it was it was like kind of a live version uh on a youtube video um lp is the artist she's a, a writer uh uh i think she'd had a lot of outside cuts before she emerged as an artist on her own um I think her name is Laura. That song has 350 million streams. I think, her, uh, yeah, I think her name is Laura Pergolese, I believe it is. But here, it, it was just, I, I just couldn't take my eyes off of it. And then the kind of the, um, the cadence of it, it was like an earworm for me. And I, I still listen to that song every time it comes up in, in a news feed or something like so that. So you can hang with Valerie. Plus the fact that LP has the most incredible tattoo on her. She has a battleship tattooed on her chest. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, um, yeah, this is an artist that, I, that, that I'll watch. Anybody that chooses a battleship for their chest piece, um, they're okay by me. All right. Sounds like something amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? So I think we've talked enough. What do you think? I then think we so. Need to talk us out and then the we'll, old we'll let, the wall. We'll let Carrie play us out with a, one more song from Carrie. Yeah, let's let Carrie play us out after we tell everyone where they can go to anything find else. Any, anything yeah, else shout out. Want to say? Shout out to Carrie because uh, keep doing it, girl. That's uh, that that's the right approach, right? Mm-hmm. The business be damned. Keep doing what you're doing. It's cool. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening us listening to us on this episode of the 9420 podcast. For all of the show notes, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, here is Carrie Welling with her last single for, for us. It's called Happy First. Take care, everybody. Cheated on me and I still blame myself Could be the reason I can't find someone else But you, you're so quick to move on To find someone new I try but I just can't be happy for you You taught me to love And you taught me to lose You showed me the things that a broken heart do And I curse and I swear it's not fair Should have someone too Well it's not a race but I wish you would lose Cause don't you think I should be happy first After all I've been through Don't you think someone should love me Even if it ain't you Cause I'm not the faker The lying heartbreaker The reason I believe that I always get hurt So why not me? Why do you get to be happy first? Pictures and posts that I see Make it seem like you found someone better than me And I wonder, does she keep the gaze of your wandering eye? Or is it just a matter of time? 
get to be happy first. 